0: Welcome to Our Jewish Roots with insightful Bible teaching from Israel with Dr. Jeffrey Seif. This week, we see the battle for the land of Canaan nearing its end on Joshua, more than a conqueror. Welcome to Our Jewish Roots, I'm David Hart.
1: I'm Kirsten Hart. I am Jeffrey Seif, and we are going back to a special place at the first, Hatzor, a capital, a principal area in northern Israel.
0: And a great battle was fought and won there with God's help. So we're in week seven, what's next for Joshua?
1: Well, we're carrying on with highlights of his ministry, his ups and his downs, and uh, what a battle it was. We're at, we're finishing in short order. Uh, we're just going through the highlights of his life.
0: As he's conquering yes.
1: that holy land that God yes. told him to do.
0: Let's go to northern Israel right now for Dr. Seif's teaching.
1: The southern campaign had gone remarkably well, much to the chagrin of the locals. So you might recall some time prior, the Israelites were in dread fear because the locals were so tall and they felt like grasshoppers. But here the fortunes of wars has shifted. The southern uh, federation of Canaanite peoples had been decimated, and word gets up north, and there's trouble in River City. There's a king, Jabin, it's a dynastic name and he will mobilize a federation of northern uh, Canaanite peoples, to use that term broadly, and there will be a battle royal. Before I show you from the Scripture, let me pull out a map. Uh, It's not your modern uh, garden variety map, but something that might have been used uh, akin to what had been used by the locals when they fought here many, many, many years ago. And just to show, if you will, this is the Mediterranean. Uh, The Romans called it Mare Nostrum. I know that I'm getting ahead, uh, called Our Sea. And the reason why I mentioned it is that Jabin here at Hatzor was so famous that ancient documents in form of political alliances that he had with the states out into the sea, Phoenicians, the Cretans. Uh, in Cyprus, and he was well-connected politically, as I noted earlier, with all the peoples round about. And he is going to mobilize his energies to hold at bay these encroaching Israelites that are there with a sense of a divine mandate that God has spoken to Moses and directed them onward, and Joshua is going onward. We're going to hear from Amnon Ben Sur, Professor at Hebrew University, who's going to talk a little bit about Hatzor, and then I want to talk a little about the tribal area around about, and then open up the
2: Bible to consider the story. We have a huge destruction of the Canaanite city. Wherever we dig, whether it is on the Acropolis, whether it is in the lower city, the Canaanite period ends with a huge destruction, sometimes more than a meter of debris, ashes. Uh, wood, bricks, fallen bricks, uh, mutilated statues and and the like which indicate first of all that the disaster was human made, it's no earthquake because no earthquake will mutilate the statues in a systematic way so it was man-made and by now we can narrow it down to about the middle of the 13th century BC. If we're talking about biblical sites, Hatzor is the number one site. There is no other which can even get close because if you're talking just about the period which we have, you want the Canaanites, you have them. You want the destruction of Joshua, you have. You want uh, judges, you have. You want Solomon, you have. You want Jeroboam, you have. You want Ahab, you have. You want Pekah, you have. You can show, you can have the debate at Hatzor you can show this is the gate which according to the Bible was built by Solomon in the time of Solomon. Now you tell me it was not, let's argue about it. You see what I mean? But there's no other site which has that many uh, uh, strata which are somehow related to the biblical narrative. I have here
1: Hetzor in a bolder, darker print and roundabout in a lighter print a notation of the tribes who after The conquest of the south and the north and some other ancillary battles eventually are going to go to their inheritance. And I wanna note that there was an inheritance that was given to the people of Israel in this land, an inheritance that was yesterday, today, and continues on into tomorrow. While speaking of yesterday, today, and tomorrow, let's open up the eternal word and consider something of what's noted therein. And where else would I wanna go but to the book of Joshua, the 11th chapter. It's always nice to see how biblical archaeology corroborates the biblical text. We're going to uh, consider a great war that was fought here in Hetzor, and you can even see the burn marks. Uh, The biblical testimony is very clear that there was aish, a Hebrew word for fire, and it's noted in the bricks, it's noted in the mud, even many years later. These stones are crying out and saying, you can trust this literature. Well, what does the text say? In Joshua chapter 11, verse 1, it came to pass that Jabin, king of Hazor, heard these things. Jabin was a dynastic name that had gone on for centuries. What things did he hear? He heard about the Israelite conquest of the south. And he was not a happy camper. We read on in the literature, he mobilizes people's roundabout, and there is a battle royal that is fought here. We're told in verse 10, however, difficulties notwithstanding that Joshua, he was uh, successful in his endeavors, and that Hetzor was struck and the king was struck with the edge of the sword, an expression that denotes victory, we're told in verse 12, all the cities of the kings and all their kings Joshua took and struck." Again, a battle royal, a battle that went to the Hebrews. I want you to look with me, please. We're told in verse 18 that war went for a long time. Not every trial in life goes away just like that. Sometimes you have to walk it out, but there's a positive end result. Go with me, please, to verse 23. We're told that Joshua took the whole land according. Now, this is important to me. It's not just a war. Uh, We're told that it's according to all that the Lord had said to Moses. There's divine promise in this. This is called the Promised Land because from on high it's commended, a certain place is commended to a certain people. We're told, because the Lord said to Moses and Joshua gave it as an inheritance to Israel according to their divisions. What do we note from the biblical text? We note that there was a battle, a battle royal that raged, and we know that it went to Israel. And it wasn't just the good fortunes of war, but rather it's God himself leading a particular people to a particular place to accomplish his particular purposes.
0: Resource this week the series Joshua More Than a Conqueror on DVD. This eight-program series reveals how Joshua went from spy to Moses' apprentice and then became the faithful leader of the Israelites during the conquest of the land of Canaan. With dramatic reenactments, Bible teaching from Dr. Seif, insight from Chaim Mailspin, music, and much more. Contact us and ask for your copy of the DVD series Joshua More Than a Conqueror. For many, a trip to the Holy Land is the dream of a lifetime. The Bible truly comes alive as you see the sites where so many biblical events happened. Come on a Zola tour in the spring to see Israel and Petra, or in the fall to add a cruise to Greece and Ephesus. See the land of the Bible for yourself. Contact us to reserve your dream of a lifetime. on our last tour to Israel and to Petra and to Greece, we've made so many wonderful new friends. We had two busloads of folks on our tour, and uh, we have pictures even to show you on Facebook. You can go there and see those.
3: Probably right, we post, we love to post pictures of us in Israel right. with our tours, and actually people are surprised when they see some of our pictures because part of Israel is, is extremely lush and green, especially up north. Anna, uh, we go there on our tours, come with us. We go two times a year, in the fall and also in the spring. We have all kinds of information for you on our ministry website. And we'd also like to say thank you for supporting this ministry. You make us go around the world with good news.
0: Right now, let's go back to Israel where Joshua is distributing land to the 12 tribes.
4: Canaan has proven to be everything promised by Adonai just as lush as it was when Moses sent Caleb and me to scout the land. And now the time has come to partition the land to the tribes of our people. Eleazar, the priest, joins me on this hallowed occasion. Just as we've done in Gilgal, we have gathered in Shiloh to cast lots for the land that the Lord has given us. We do so to confirm what Adonai said in ages past to Jacob and then to Moses. It will not be Joshua nor I who will decide. It will be the Lord God of Israel. You've surveyed the land and you know it well. We have gathered in Shiloh to cast lots for Judah, Ephraim and the half tribe of Manasseh. They have already received their portions this side of the Jordan.
1: Gad, Reuben, and the half-tribe of Manasseh have acquired their portions over the Jordan to the east, as was pledged by Moses. Benjamin.
4: The land between Judah and Ephraim. Simeon. The land within Judah, with the cities and villages encircling Beersheba. Zebulun. The land as far as Seirid, then to the north to the valley of Jethel. Issachar. The land from Jezreel, reaching to Tebor. Asher. The land from Mount Carmel, to the city of Tyre.
1: Naphtali.
4: The land from the terebinth tree, in Zainanim, to the Jordan. And Kinnereth
1: and Dan,
4: the land from Zora to Joppa,
2: and to you, Joshua, son of Nun, we give Timnath Serah,
1: in the hill country of Ephraim, just as you requested. It was a dream come true. His mission complete, Joshua would spend the last few years of his life in the green heartland of Israel, within the boundaries given to his tribe, Ephraim. We've come here to Shiloh many times before, as it is such an important biblical site And this time, especially because it's central to the very land allotted to Joshua. It happened that the Lord blessed the land with rain on our visit, so we found shelter within some ancient ruins, while outside it poured. Everyone in Israel prays for rain. And I'm good with that, but I say, Lord, why today here in Shiloh where we have a special TV program? It is special, but you know what? So is rain. If there wasn't rain, we wouldn't have any of these goodies right here. We wouldn't have them today, and they surely wouldn't have had them yesterday. They were all farmers, and they relied on the produce of the earth. In fact, mayim, the word for water, is related to the word "shemayam" or heavens. The point is, you look at the rain, uh, this outpouring is blessings. Even in biblical literature, we talk about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, Lord, pour out your blessings, and it's water language, and it, it, it harks to this agrarian language. Well, we're in the thick of it here uh, in Shiloh a fascinating place today, an important place yesterday in Joshua's day. We're told, in fact, in the 18th chapter that when the battles had run their course, uh, Joshua led the Israelites and they knocked out the backbone of the local Canaanite resistance, and now it's time to divide up the tribes. They get their parcels of real estate, their inheritances, we're told in the 18th chapter and that the whole congregation of the children of Israel assembled themselves together at Shiloh. And they gathered themselves, they assembled themselves at the tent of meeting. And this is where it was, you know. In fact, before Jerusalem became the religious center, it was Shiloh for hundreds and hundreds of years, and it all starts here. And the reason why they gather here is that when they're looking to carve out the land, We want the good Lord to lead in the apportionment. Because, you know, people get jealous, well, so-and-so got better than me, this and that, and we're looking for God's hand even in setting up things like that. Thus, land was divvied out by lot. There's a sense in which let, let providence, let good fortune decide who gets what, and that's how the game was played. We're told in verse 10 specifically to read here in the Hebrew Lahem, Yehoshua Goral and Joshua, we're told, cast lots for them at Shiloh, uh, before the face of the Lord, before the Lord. Yehoshua Haaretz, and with that, then Joshua divided up the land. Livnei Yisrael, to the children of Israel by their tribes, by their divisions. And so it is, as I'd said, when it came to dividing up the land, it was determined by providence, not by, you know, jockeying for position, who gets this real estate, who gets that. Well, this is a story from yesterday. It really begs the question, what does it mean today? And it's worth spending some time on that because there's a difference in the way the respective two testaments are oriented. I say that because in the New Testament, Christians are promised that our commonwealth is in heaven. And the good Lord, in the 14th chapter of the Gospel of John, said, I go there to prepare a place for you. Uh, so for the Christian, the principal inheritance is on the other side of the grave. For the Hebrew, the principal inheritance is here, and here it's divided up. And many Christians have trouble with the territorial dimension to Old Testament religion, that is to say, it's tethered to real estate, it's tethered to land. Even when you observe that, and I hope you see it's clearly, I hope you see it clearly, because for my money it is clearly to be observed. But even when you see it clearly in the literature, you read about it back then, it really begs the question, how can someone bring this forward and apply it to today? In other words, what does the story for the ancient Jew have to do with you? It's a reasonable story, to my way of thinking. Does the notion of a defined inheritance only relate to them, then, with a heavenly-bound inheritance for us today? Or can the believer in Jesus think in terms of an inheritance for today? Well, by way of application, let me commend this to you. If you were a farmer in ancient Israel, the fact that you had land apportionment meant that you had a place to ply a trade and enjoy good success in response to your labors. Those of us that aren't agrarians still have to go out in the world, and we want the Lord to lead us to good success in our respective vocations. The word vocation comes from the Latin vocatio. We get the word voice from that, and it harks to when someone looks inside, they feel the Lord's beckoning them to be an auto mechanic, a doctor, a nurse, a police officer, a housewife, whatever it is. Whatever you feel that inkling toward, whatever the Lord leads you to do, you wanna find good success in the doing. And to that end, That story in our world relates to the story in this world right here, whether it's the fruits here, whether it's the instruction here, whether it's the life that you're living there on the other side of that lens in your living room. Can God lead you to a place where you can make a difference and carve out some space for yourself in life to enjoy good success in life? I think, friends, the answer to that question in no uncertain terms is yes. There's a good God. In fact, in the New Testament, Jesus says that he'll lead us. He's a shepherd who leads us to pasture. And we hear his voice behind us saying, this is the way, walk in it. Friends, walk with God. And you, like the Jew back then, you today can find your place in your promised land. And you too, like Joshua, can be more than a conqueror.
0: always enjoy bringing you music from our founder Zola Levitt.
3: We also enjoy showing you how beautiful Israel is, but it also could be very rainy as, as you found out shooting at Shiloh this and last time. I enjoyed
1: the fact we had a roof over our head <laughs> when we did that segment. I have a question, Shiloh or Shiloh? Uh, whatever, Sh- Shiloh. Shiloh. Uh, <laughs> Hebrew Shiloh is the norm these days, but you know, what a place. I mean, that was the capital, the spiritual center, the sh- spiritual nexus of Israel long ago, and before Jerusalem, before what's behind I mean, us here. I was here. gonna say,
3: it's fantastic that on our tours, we're actually able to take everyone that goes on a Zola tour to that spot is one of our favorites.
0: And it's, it's like you can feel what happened back in the day. We sing at that spot. I remember we sang. We are standing on holy ground." It was amazing for us to be able to do that. And you
1: know, the title, Our Jewish Roots, it's not just our Jewish toots. That is to say, the ministry uh, is built around taking people to the place spiritually, emotionally, intellectually, and literally. And I think there's great value in that. I know you do. We all participate in that. Hopefully, we all do, and I want to ask you to help us, if you will, please. I love going to Israel. The thing that I hate most about ministry, (laughs) not that there's a bunch of things that I hate, uh, but there's things that you love, there's things you don't love so much. I don't like putting the ask out there. Uh, I like to be a giver myself as a human being, as a believer. Please be gracious. If you find value in all of this, please, Uh, Put your money where your heart is and, and make a kind donation to help us carry on this wonderful work.
3: And that donation brings this ministry literally worldwide to show people and tell people about our amazing, wonderful, rich Jewish roots. And you are such a blessing to bring us there and to tell us why certain places are so vitally important. you're kind
1: to say that I give a talk. I don't want to correct on air, Uh, I don't correct my wife, I don't want (laughs) to correct yours. You're the ones that bring us there. That at the end of the day, the reason why this goes out is because people reach in. And uh, I'm glad to use my talents. Uh, you're glad to use yours. They're glad to use your, theirs Together, we're able to advance the kingdom.
3: Well, we do appreciate your rich insight and teaching us why it's vitally important that we go in that Old Testament. Yeah and learn so much, especially from Joshua.
1: Well, I appreciate that you're super gracious.
0: I mean that sincerely. Well, thank you. Can you tie it all together today about Joshua, what he's been through so far in this series?
1: He's been through hell on his way to heaven. uh, To put it bluntly, there's battles to be fought, and he got his, Game face on, his faith up, and he rolled the dice against an uncertain future, and won at the end of the day. And he's able to go to his reward in as we go to our reward. Zola Levitt went to his reward, I'm 64 years of age. I know I'll go to mine soon enough. But speak of going, it's time to go. And as you go, sha'alu shalom Yerushalayim.
3: Pray for the peace of Jerusalem.
0: Join us right now for additional content that is only available on our social media sites, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. Visit our website, levitt.com, for the current and past programs, the television schedule, tour information, and our free monthly newsletter, which is full of insightful articles and news commentary. View it online, or we can ship it directly to your mailbox every month. Also on our website is the online store, There, you can order this week's resource, or you can always give us a call at 1-800-WONDERS. Your donations to Our Jewish Roots help us to support these organizations as they bless Israel. Please remember we depend on tax-deductible donations from viewers like you. in a paid program brought to you by Zola Levitt Ministry.